All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John, and Wes is finally back with us for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And on this episode, we're going to give our weekly spring sports update, you know, bring you guys up to speed on all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're doing another installment of our To Hell With Everyone series where we're talking about the Deep South's oldest rivalry from 1996. And Wes apparently has a harrowing tale about um, resaving the Atropians for the umpteenth time in his career. So it's no longer the Atropians. What? They changed it since, I mean, a lot of people that are listening to this might not understand, but since we're moving from a coin war to a let's go war they changed the whole thing what yeah it's yeah, more no, of a my, <laughs> my entire career was based on atropians yeah it is i forgot what they called them but the country was arnland oh yeah i no we we knew arnland a few times yeah but, but yeah so they changed it all from a coin kind of war to a Lisco war. And let me just say, when we get into a Lisco war, we are fucked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, my, Anything my hero, near peer is going to be a disaster. It's going to be a great time. But anyways, let's, my, my heroing uh, battle. So we commandeered a 50-cal truck from one of the other companies that got wiped out. So we just stole their truck. We're like, all right, bet. So we're sitting there, we're pulling guard down the road. This first sergeant comes up to us. He's like, hey, who's in this truck? We're like, you know, Shroud and fucking Madeira. So they're like, all right, cool. We're we're go- we're leaving. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, we're going. I'm like, okay, cool. What are we doing? Like, it's a suicide mission. And I was just like, what? The-? Yeah, they're like, we're going to take this truck plus y'all plus two MTVs, which are just, for those of you that don't know, they're just big-ass fucking trucks that – Move troops. It's like a cargo truck. Yeah, it's a cargo truck. And they're like, we're going to go. We're going to go here. We're going to fight like fucking 10 BMPs. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah, okay. which is like a tank. And you're just going to die here just to create a barricade so they don't come this way. So, <laughs> so we go. Do you at least get to go back to the white tents? Dude, we died and then went right back to where we were. They just reconstituted us. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. I'm like, this is bullshit. But yeah, so we go. We roll up. Like, my gunner's just fuck, just laying hate. You know, he takes out like five of them by himself, plus like two LMTVs full of troops. I'm like, hell yeah. The One of the guys says up to us, like, hey, who's the driver? Who's the TC? So we, or the gunner. So we tell him, he's like, hey, 
Geronimo, which is the bad guys that don't know, like they want to recognize y'all for just fucking their shit up before y'all died. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so you got <laughs> yeah, a JRTC Medal of Honor? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I was like, this is just a straight suicide mission. The first time I was like, yeah. I was like, fucking sick. So yeah. That was it my, sucks that was you my... didn't at least go back to civilization for a day. Dude, every time we died, which was like every other fucking day, because I was attached to the medics. So, you know, <laughs> medics don't really, you know, kill people. They save people. Yeah, we um we would just be reconstituted like 30 minutes later. Oh, that sucks. I never got killed, way. but when we went to JRTC, and this was 2018, they were so unorganized. At one point, it was taking five days. Mm-hmm. To get people back into the field. Sounds about right. But yeah, no, it was um for those of y'all that don't know, JRTC is the Joint Readiness Training Center, which just gets units ready for deployment. Imagine yeah. the worst part of Louisiana, um, where you've got swamps at the bottom of giant hills. And then and spend hills- two weeks in the woods. Yeah. And those hills are more swamps, so yeah. 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 No, it's it's pretty awful. And there's wild horses and there's wild horses that uh that run all over JRTC, at least in the garrison area. And when we were there, we uh almost had a run in with a horse because it was right next to the barracks when we were walking back in. And uh it looks like we lost Wes for a minute. So I'll go ahead and get into the spring sports stuff, starting with baseball. And so the Diamond Dogs um, got their first SEC win, which is a positive. It's a great thing to uh, great thing to happen. The problem is they lost another two games this time to Auburn, who also got swept in their first SEC series last weekend. Um, so I'll try and get the, get the stats pulled up here, but it was not, the first two games were not pretty. Um, so the first game went to 11 innings. They had to go real deep in the bullpen for this one and lost a six, seven game by giving up two hits in the 11th and then walking the next two batters on nine pitches which is just awful especially considering going into the ninth bottom of the ninth when Auburn came up to bat Georgia was up six three gave up a two-run double then an error to bring it to six six scoreless in the tenth and then they just they walked. They walked him with bases loaded. And um it was it was just not not a great game for the bullpen there, but we've talked about that quite a few times. And then on Saturday they lost three to six. And trying to get this pulled up here. That was um Liam Sullivan's start. Oh, Jaden Woods actually pitched on Saturday. I apologize. But he didn't give up any runs. In the fifth is when they uh, 
when they started to come on, they homered, sacrifice fly, homer, scored, ended up having six through nine. And then on Sunday is when the Georgia Bats finally woke up to uh to have a great day on Saturday. And what I mean by a great or Sunday. No, was it Saturday? I don't know, guys. I'm lost. It's I didn't even know today was Monday until after we were supposed to start recording, if that tells you anything. Um so on the 25th, which was Saturday, um, Georgia ended up winning that game 24 to 7. And when I say 24 to 7, I mean Georgia scored. What's this? Um, one Georgia scored 16 runs in the eighth on that last game of the weekend to end up just run ruling the hell out of Auburn in that eighth inning, but those first two games were were not pretty, and uh, they should have won Thursday. But as I keep talking about, the bullpen needs – honestly, there are some of us that could probably go to the bullpen and do better than some of these guys are because the bullpen is so bad. It's been so bad. Like, talking about Friday night with uh, Jaden Woods. Jaden Woods pitched a hell of a game. No he hitter. always does. There was a no-hitter going into the fifth and then allowed that home run. Still pitching great, and then they take him out, and then the fucking collapse. And then, how do you miss home plate? I like, I wasn't able to watch that game on Friday, so I'm not. I'm not. So, sack fly to the outfield, right? Throw it in. The guy coming from third misses home. And Auburn realizes who, it. Do you remember who it was? I don't remember, no. And then Auburn realized it, tags him, and then I was like, yeah, he's out. Like, how do you miss home? Yeah. And then we were ta- I was talking about it a minute ago. In the bottom of the 11th, you got two outs. And you walk two batters and the last one with the bases loaded. You walk home the game-winning run in the 11th inning. That game game should have never went into extras. No. They should have won easily. But in the shortstop, ninth inning, two outs, probably the worst throw I've ever seen from a college athlete. Yeah. Just straight up overthrows the first baseman by a fucking mile. Man, yeah. I don't give up on I don't give up on teams. Um, I'm a Cubs fan and a fucking Falcons fan, so it, it takes a lot for me to give up on a team. But man, I'm damn close to this baseball team. Man, I you know I said it I said it last week. It's if Scott Strickland's seat is not hot, that fire is heating up with every single bullpen pitcher he puts in the game. They have so much potential. Yes. They have so much. And I don't know if it's a pitching coach. I don't know what it is. But at the end of the day, the buck stops at the head coach. Oh, 100%. Because 
because for the first however many years, up really up until last season, it was the offense that could not score runs. And it was always like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We got guys like Emerson Hancock that can pitch full game shutouts. Yeah. And then last season it was like, all right, the pitching needs a little bit of help, but there's there's potential there. And now it's it is very difficult to to watch these games after the starters come out. It's it's just brutal to watch these games after the starters come out. But on a bright note, on the other diamond, the one with the yellow ball, we are talking about our lady diamond dogs now. And I know we hadn't talked too much about softball, but they run ruled another team this past weekend. They are ranked 16th in the country at 24 and 6 with a few huge series coming up here. Um, they beat Mississippi State this past weekend to move from 17 to 16. Let me pull this schedule back up. I don't know. Have you ever been to a softball game? I have not. Dude, it is a great time, believe it or not. Oh, I, man, I want to go. We're trying to uh, we're trying to schedule a weekend sometime before the seasons are over to like Saturday hit a baseball game, Sunday hit a softball game, maybe yeah. the other way around kind so, of thing. So Jack Turner, Jack Turner, which is the um the softball, there's the um seating's aluminum, so you get that whole crowd fucking just stopping their feet, dude. That place, yeah, that place is loud. It's fun. So. Just to just kind of expand on the dominance of the softball team, they are on an eight-game winning streak. They beat Mississippi State ten to nothing in five innings, three to nothing. Kennesaw State nine to nothing in five innings. Texas A&M, who was ranked twenty-fourth at the time, eight to nothing in six innings. Texas A&M before that six to five. Texas A&M seven to five. They beat Furman, Auburn, who was ranked number eighteenth. Five to four. That one went to ten. Five to nothing. They lost. The last game they lost was on March 10th to Auburn, five to six. And they went on to win that series. And what I mean by they've got some some big ones coming up here. Kentucky is ranked, and that series starts this weekend. Then you've got Arkansas, who is always good at spring sports, that next weekend. Then Florida. On the weekend of the 14th, G-Day weekend. These games are in Jackson or Gainesville this year, so it kind of sucks that you, you're not able to uh, do a full full weekend of Georgia sports there, but Florida's also ranked. Then you've got South Carolina, LSU, who is ranked. Georgia's got a ton of ranked matchups coming up, and if they can win most of these games, I mean, you're talking about holding a regional in uh in Athens that second weekend which, of May. Which by the way is a lot of fun. I've done that. And I've been to a super in Athens. So much fun. Yeah, I I really think that if Georgia can if you know if they can win most of these games, they have the potential to host a super regional. Yeah. But I mean if you if you look at it, the SEC, like they're dominance in spring sports, man. They're dominant oh, yeah. in baseball. I want to say, I mean, I haven't seen the new rankings, but I believe like four out of the top five 
were our SEC or were SEC teams in baseball. Oh yeah. Um, softball's always got a number of teams ranked. Um, and then you got Auburn, which is an, an equestrian school, fucking just winning, you know, the SEC in equestrian. Shout out Auburn. Um, no, spring sports is a big, a big thing in the SEC. Like of the top twenty-five in softball, nine teams are SEC teams. You've got Tennessee at third, Florida tenth, Kentucky eleventh, LSU twelfth, and that's what I mean by these big series. You got three top fifteen teams coming up with their series. Georgia 16, Arkansas 17, Alabama's 13, if I didn't say that a minute ago, and Texas A&M is 24, Auburn coming in at 25. Man, and, just, and just think about it, with the additions of Oklahoma, who's always winning the fucking national championship in softball, and Texas, which is – Oh, if you, if you counted Oklahoma and Texas this year, there would be – 11 SEC teams in the top 25 in softball. Yeah, I mean, look at baseball. Too. Texas normally has a pretty decent baseball program every year. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun come next fall. Or not next fall, next spring. Yeah, no, I – and if you haven't been to Foley Field, unless it's a – unless it's a really big series, like if Tennessee or Alabama's in town, those tickets typically get a little bit more expensive. But, I mean, I've paid, like – five dollars a ticket to get into a georgia baseball game and i'm sure it's around that if not cheaper for softball tickets softball's free softball's free there you go softball's free you can get into a baseball game for typically like five bucks and georgia is playing georgia state at home in the middle of the week in baseball this week so if you're in the area got nothing better to do i think it's wednesday night that'd be like a five dollar game I've I've never been to a baseball game. I've been to um, Georgia games when they've come to Auburn and played at their stadium, but I've I've not gone to a game in Foley yet. Oh, I love it. It's it's small enough to where even if you sit in the very last row, like you're – I mean, the tickets that you're going to get in the very last row in Foley are like $300 tickets at, uh, at Truist Park. Jeez. Are they so? Is it? I'm, I'm sure it's general admission. So no, they're seats. They're seats. Really? It's it's. I mean, it's bleacher style, but it's kind of like Sanford. It's bleachers, but there's like numbers on them, so you know where to sit, okay. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you got the big money, you can sit right behind home plate in that little extended dugout suite. Dude, that's always Rob wanted to sit. Same. Like ever since Same. I was a kid. Like watching like Georgia games, but you man, know, back, if you if you good. flinch at a hockey puck hitting the glass, imagine <laughs> a fastball hitting the net, dude. Like back when Georgia used to be good, like I remember that 2006 World Series against Fresno, and that that final, they could have had it. They had another shot. They had a shot at having more World Series. Tennessee, but they just couldn't add another one. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the good thing is with the roster that Georgia baseball has, if they can get, I don't know, like two or three relievers, 
in the transfer portal are some like elite relievers out of high school. Like this is this is an Omaha team next year with the offense that they've got. Dude, that's all we need is just some fucking pitching. And it's not even the starters. No. I mean, Jaden Woods could he could go to the draft after this year, but I'm I'm not sure he will because he won't have a lot of wins stacked up. Um same with Liam Liam Sullivan. But I mean, if I'm not entirely sure how the Major League Baseball draft process works for college guys as far as... And there's like 500 you know, fucking rounds, so... That's true. But would you yeah. rather... Would you rather go back to Athens for one more year or get transferred to, like, El Paso to play single-A baseball and have five people show up to your game? I mean, are you playing for the Chihuahuas? I, is that who's in El Paso? I'm pretty sure that's like El Paso. El Paso's like team is the Chihuahuas. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I just picked a random team in the middle of nowhere. I had no idea El Paso had a team. Let's see. I want to. I believe it's. Oh, yep, it's the Chihuahuas. <laughs> Look at me pulling shit out of my ass, and it turns to gold. Ooh. Would you rather be a bulldog or a Chihuahua? It's a pretty easy choice to me. I don't know. For one game, they're going to be the margaritas and their fucking hats. Are pre- I wanted a hat. They're going to be the El Paso margaritas for a game. It's better than the Gwinnett strippers. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They knew. They knew what they were doing. But I will say the Gwinnett striper social media team, undefeated. Really? Oh, if you don't follow them, you need to. Like I mean, every time, every time last season Vaughn Grissom or Michael Harris Jr. did something, they would be like, can't believe that, I uh, can't believe that these guys never played for us. We wanted to see this in Gwinnett. Or <laughs> the, um, I can't remember, it's one of those adult cartoon shows where it's like, if this thing happened twice, it's really weird that it happened twice. Oh, uh, yeah. Talking about that guys happened- that skipped AAA. If I had a nickel for every time this happened, I'd have two nickels. It's yes. With, oh, Phineas and Ferb, Doctor Duke yes. and Ferb. Yes. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time this happened, I'd only have two nickels. But it's really weird that it happened twice. <laughs> it like within minutes of Von Grissom getting called up, they posted that. That's hilarious. Yeah, if you That's don't great. follow the Gwinnett Stripers on social media, <laughs> do it. I promise you, you will not be upset with what you see. Dude, speaking of baseball, we just signed Baylor up for a T-ball on yeah. Saturday. He um, And we were sitting here watching the Georgia game the other day, and he said, Daddy, he's like, I want to play baseball on TV. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like, all right. I was like, do you want to play for Georgia? He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, poor kid. <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe by the time he's in college they'll be better hey make him the reason they're better turn him into a pitcher dude right you know well, they say you want pitchers from the north and hitters from the south we'll be back don't south. Want the... yeah and then in two years you'll be in like Alaska or something I'll probably be back up here oh I'm sorry uh, you're not I mean, tired of the snow being taller than you it's not me. They'll send me up here. I don't know. 
It's um, I'd much rather you go somewhere that's easy for me to fly to, if I'm being honest, or somewhere I want to go. But Buffalo is mean, not I'll really be, on my bucket list. I mean, I'll be in Columbia in a couple months. Uh, well, I'd rather go to Buffalo than Columbia. <laughs> I hate Columbia. <laughs> All right, you ready to talk about? Uh, you ready to talk about this? To hell with everyone we got. Let's do this. Is my first one. Yes, you did miss the last one. So if it you are, my idea. Um, it was your idea. It was. <laughs> um, so if you have not listened to the last episode we did of To Hell With Everyone, this is where we're going to go back and look at good games through Georgia's history. We may branch out to some other teams if the games are good enough. Um, but we take a look back, talk about players at the time, what happened during the game, and why it was so important for the program itself. Um, but I will say right off the top, because we're going to skip around in some of this, the only copy I was able to find of this game anywhere on the internet was an ESPN classic college football game. Meaning at one point they skipped the entire third quarter. The whole third. And I didn't even realize that. Cause like, I was like taking notes or whatever. I was starting to hear. Yeah. In the third quarter. And I'm like, wait, if not the third quarter, and I look up like fourth or no, what did he say? He's like, oh, there were no points scored in the third quarter, and I'm like, when did we miss the fucking third quarter? Yeah, no, and they were like, and they talked about it being halftime, and then they're like, and there were there were no really big plays in the third quarter, so we're joining the action back at the start of the fourth. But then they showed highlights of plays from the third quarter, and it's like, okay. <laughs> all right, whatever, whatever. The ESPN Classic is. Is the best. It's great because this game only, like, the entire YouTube clip of this game was, like, an hour and 20 minutes. And once again, yeah. I want to shout out the guy that put this up because I'm pretty sure this was the exact same person that did the last game we talked about. Um, And it's P-R-S-O-N Mike on YouTube. Subscribe to his channel if you have not because he puts up big George games all the time. Yeah, first um, somehow, somehow, some way, they don't flag him for copyright, but they flag the videos that I put up for copyright. And half of the videos that I've ever made cannot be seen in Russia or Belarus due to copyright infringement. Well, um, who's coming after us? Yeah, so, I, you know, if I have a listener, if, you know, if someone's listening from Russia or Belarus, just get a VPN if you want to watch our videos because none of them show up in your country. Yeah, if we have Russians or Belarusians listening, let's get them on. Yeah, like the, absolutely. Like the VPN, let's just get them on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can drink vodka while I drink bourbon and you'll probably still be sober after the episode. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right, so why this game, right? In 1996, what, not a great year for Georgia. Uh, the whole 90s were kind of rough on the program. But this was a huge game because this was the first ever SEC game to go into overtime. The rule was introduced in the previous offseason. But not only, you know what, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I mean, to be um, fair, the SEC only became the SEC in 92. Right. They aligned so, to divisions in 92, and then in 96, they adopted overtime, which is why in so many of these series, you'll see 
you know, and like it'll be wins, loss, and ties. Ties don't happen anymore, but at the time before 1996, they did have ties. Um, what they they were playing since what 1886? 1892 was the first Georgia Auburn game. But I thought it was 80 something. Uh, I mean, I thought it was different too, but according to what they said on the broadcast, it was 96 or 92, 1892. But it was the 100th game. Well, yeah, a lot of college football didn't happen in World War II because there was no one that age to play. Oh, yeah, because like I think Auburn doesn't count that game, or there's one game that, like, or is it Florida? There's a game that Florida doesn't count. Yeah, there there are multiple disputed games between Georgia yeah. and Florida because during the World Wars, if Florida lost, they didn't count it. And if Georgia <laughs> lost, they didn't count it. So, <laughs> man, the pettiness in college football is one of my favorite parts of it. Dude, I know I sent that clip out a couple like weeks ago about like the Florida, you know, holding up the U and breaking it. Dude, I love college sports. I love how petty the athletes are, how – Fuck you, they are. Like, I love it. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely one of the best parts. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it hundreds of times between now and then. But if horns down is a is a penalty in the SEC, fans are going to riot. <laughs> fans will absolutely riot. 100%. But so this 96 Georgia Auburn game was, I mean, this was, if Georgia had lost this game, they would not have been eligible for a bowl. Like they were fighting for bowl eligibility at the time. Um, they were unranked playing a ranked rival because Auburn was 20th at this or during this game. And this far into the season, here's the list of teams that Georgia had lost to in 1996 Southern Mississippi. <laughs> Starting off real hot. South Carolina. They lost to Peyton Manning and the Tennessee Volunteers. Kentucky. And then Florida, who who's a quarterback at Florida in 96. Was that Chris Lee? <laughs> and not, no, Chris Lee was 06. No, he was with Tebow. He yeah. was with Tebow. Danny Werfel. Yeah, because they knew it was they, one of the like three notable quarterbacks that Florida's ever had. Yeah, they they mentioned Danny Warfolk in the cast or in the telecast. And if you want something more relevant to compare this game to, this was like the Kentucky game from Kirby's first year. Like Georgia, in all reality, with the season they'd played that far, should not have beaten Kentucky in 2016. Came down to the wire. And it was essentially four bowl eligibility at that point. It, I mean, that's how important of a game this was in uh, in Jim Donnan's first year as coach at Georgia. And to just expand on the struggles from the 96 season, Georgia only scored in the first quarter in a single game during the 96 season before the Auburn game. And that was when they scored two touchdowns against Mississippi State. So going into the second to last week of the season, Georgia had scored 14 points in the first quarter all season. Could you, could you imagine if that happened this year? Or like this era? Uh, no. 
now we're talking about like, oh, no, no team scored in the first quarter on Georgia in a year and a half. Like that, yeah. that's the kind of stuff we're talking about now. Um, but there's also a ton of names that Georgia fans are going to recognize from this game on teams and one or two from the coaching staff on Georgia's on Georgia's roster that season. You had Matt Stinchcomb. Champ Bailey, Heinz Ward, Mike Bobo, and Kirby Smart were all coaches or all players at Georgia in 1996. And from the Auburn staff, we've got SEC Network analyst Takeo Spikes. If, I mean, if you paid attention to anything about college football over the past what year and a half since he got hired on SEC Network, you've heard Takeo Spikes pop up. His neck is wider around than most people's legs. I mean, dude's just a giant. <laughs> Um, and then even from Auburn's coaching staff, Jimbo Fisher was an assistant coach. Terry Bowden was the head coach and Will Muschamp was a graduate assistant at Auburn in that season before he took his first on-field coaching job at the University of West Georgia, surprisingly enough. So, I mean, th- if you're talking about Georgia games from the 90s, this is one of the, like, two you actually want to watch because it, it was rough speaking like one thing i would love to bring back from the 90s is the uniforms dude yeah i want, I, I was looking at that too i want actual silver britches back i like the block shadows yes even all the I like it they looked good hey man oh. the black numbers with the red block shadow behind it i was like ooh. Dude, now I'm I, on a 90s Georgia jersey. I'm probably the, get a Kirby one. <laughs> I'm no, probably, we still have to do our jersey bracket for this year and let people decide what we're getting. Oh, uh, yeah. I am still a huge – I'm probably the only guy that is a huge fan of the black stripe on the helmet. No, I like it. I, I love, love it. the black stripe. Like, I love can it. We please, can we please have a throwback of the 90s? Not 1980. <laughs> I do but, love the red pants. I love the 1980 uniforms. Dude, the black pants from the 90s. Yes, but they usually wore those for Florida games, and they usually lost to Florida in the 90s. So it was, it, it was rough. Dude, speaking of black pants in a bowl game, on Friday night, was it this Friday? No, last Friday, St. Patrick's Day, I went out to a bar. Ran into him. We just started bullshitting. He's like, I just wore played quarterback at Georgia. I'm like, first off, you're fucking retarded. No, he didn't. He's like, bet. He's like, bet a, bet a car bomb on it. I was like, all right, bet. I'll bet a fucking car bomb on it. Well, I was wrong because Heinz Ward played three games at quarterback for Georgia while he was there. And I was like, dude, what the yes, fuck? He did. Yeah, had no idea. Yeah, no, he um he was an all purpose athlete in in high school, and he got signed to Georgia as an athlete, played quarterback, punt return. I want to say he played defense at times. He was obviously a wide receiver. He ran the ball. Imagine a skinnier, faster Brock Bowers. That was Heinz Ward's role in the 90s. Um, So the setup, obviously this is a big rivalry game, Georgia-Auburn, in the new format that we're we're probably getting for the SEC schedule. Georgia-Auburn is one of the games 
on everybody's like top five list to protect at all costs. This was the 100th meeting between Georgia and Auburn. And at the time, Auburn led the series 47-44 with eight ties. And in the 1995 meeting, Auburn won in Athens 37-31. Winning in Athens is not something they have done in a very long time. So that's uh we haven't seen that. What was it? 2010 Cam Newton? No, that was in Auburn. Right, 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 right. Oh nine? No, oh six. It would have been on an even year. It was oh six. Yeah, so it's been 17 years since Auburn won in Athens, and they had done it the year before this, which was before Jim Donnan ever got the job because twenty or 1996 was Jim Donnan's first season as the University of Georgia head coach. And in the 99 previous meetings between Georgia and Auburn, if you added up both or the scores from both sides – it was only separated by 15 total points in 99 meetings, which is a, something like that is not is not something that you see in today's in today's game. But then, you know, Auburn and scandal hand in hand. There was a scandal at the time where Auburn coaches were accused of using binoculars to read plays off of the other coach's sideline, which is kind of how the covering the mouth when you called in the plays got started. Like they, they talked about it on the broadcast. You don't, you didn't see it at the time. Yeah. And I love how the but, commentators are like, Oh, it's straight allegations. It's straight allegations. Straight allegations. Like, bro. Okay. We get it. Like, you don't have to keep saying it. it's fucking allegations. But um, yeah, last time Auburn won in Athens was 05. 05. So this season will be 18 years, and the game's in Auburn, so it'll at least be 19. But, yeah, that's a that's a streak I'm sure Auburn would love to break eventually. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Is there anything you noticed about the setup of the game that you wanted to talk about before we get into the actual kickoff of the game? Yeah, the, the intro. Like, just <laughs> 1990s, like, if you picture the 90s, that was the intro to this game. Just the football, the multicolored footballs flying everywhere, the fucking, it was great to hear the CBS theme song, and the fact that they have kept the same song since at least 96 is pretty, pretty impressive, pretty iconic. And the amount of highlights in the intro that are targeting <laughs> in today's football. Dude. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure we'll get into it later. Yes. Yeah. No, there's <laughs> there's one play specifically, and I'm sure you're thinking the same one I am. Like, what's going to talk about? Where the commentator's like, oh, that was helmet to helmet, but hey, it's all right. Like, right. Like, this was helmet to helmet. Both players left the game because they were diagnosed <laughs> with concussions on the field. <laughs> yeah. Like, they both <laughs> laid down, like, they. They both laid down for like five minutes on the sideline because it was such a brutal hit. And I I mean it's in the notes to talk about it more when we get to that point, but 
And the commentator's like, yeah, no wonder they're down. That was helmet to helmet. All right. Next but like, what? <laughs> they're like, oh, well, they're still down. I guess we'll go to commercial. Like, <laughs> that dude lost millions of brain cells in a split second. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be down for a minute. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. 90s football was the best. If the picture quality was better, I would I would watch 90s football games every day. <laughs> but the picture quality was like when they kicked field goals, you didn't see the ball. Like they had to tell you if it was good because on on the YouTube clip at bare minimum, like you don't see it. What's Is it me or did field goal posts get smaller? Oh yeah, no, they were definitely shorter. Are you talking about the width? Yeah, the width. They looked wide as fuck compared to like I think it's because they were so short. <laughs> like the actual uprights were so short. Yeah. So to get into the actual game, to kind of start things off here, Georgia kicked the ball off. Um, very first kick was out of bounds by Georgia. And this is a theme that we will run into Throughout talking about this game, at the time, Georgia's kicker was... Honestly, the broadcast talked about how good he was, but well, compared was to today's six. kickers, he was not good. Well, apparently he was like five from six from like outside of the 40. Yeah, it's just when he kicked the ball off, it either went out of bounds or only to the 40. Not right. That's so weird because like Georgia's like known for their kickers too. Yeah, like kickers in the '90s were, um, there were some poverty poverty kickers in the '90s, is what I'm understanding, because they were just talking about how good this dude is, and he kicks the ball off, and it lands at the thirty almost every time, or it goes out of bounds. It was, but they made it a very important fact to uh, to bring up that Georgia's kicker at the time, his dad was a Supreme Court judge for the state of Georgia. And he said he didn't feel any pressure when kicking because his dad feels pressure every day in the courtroom. Yeah, I love how often they brought that up. Every time he was on the field. Every time. Like, Jesus. Oh, it was. Yeah. No, it was. It was almost like they recorded sound bites and then just like hit play on the tape recorder because you know they didn't have. They sat in front of a microphone and a tape recorder before the game <laughs> and just recorded sentences. They're like, oh, I don't feel like saying this again. Click. So first thing I noticed in this game was Auburn has pretty much run the same offense with different coaches since the 90s. For because real? Damian Craig, he was Auburn's quarterback at the time. He was a dual threat quarterback. They ran hurry up, no huddle. And it was like two receivers ran verticals, one ran a slant, and the running back would come out on the other end of the – or on the opposite side that the slant went and just like run a flat route. And that was their playbook for pretty much the entire game. He kind of gave me Cam Newton vibes. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely something I have further down in here because it was like, like the rest of the team, not that great. But every time they needed a big play, it was like he would run around in the pocket for a minute, and then it's like, oh, 
none of these guys are open. I'm just going to go pick up 12 yards with my legs. Let me go. And to be fair, we both hate Cam Newton comps. But this guy, like if you'd have put a number two on his chest, it would have been like, yeah. Cam Newton played in the 90s? I didn't know he was that old. <laughs> like and it, like size-wise too, not even just the way you play, like size-wise. Yeah. Wise, yeah. So the first series for Georgia's defense from the no huddle, Auburn's pre-snap movement, misdirection, all that, Georgia's defense just was, wasn't even on the field in this first series. Auburn no. scored in like five plays, but – I think they had two plays that went less than five yards. Yeah. Yeah, like – Yeah, no, it was – and those were the only two times they tried to run the ball on that drive. Yeah. <laughs> other, other than that, it was a scramble by Damian Craig or just like a 30-yard pass, and there was no in-between. But Auburn's first touchdown of the game was the birth of one of the most iconic moments in Georgia history. If you I, don't I, know what I'm talking about, Ugga bit tried to bite Auburn wide receiver Robert Baker right after he scored that touchdown. And if you've ever seen a picture of Georgia, of Ugga trying to bite an Auburn player, that's it. It's the very yeah. first touchdown of the game, like a minute in. That's where it was. That's where it was born. I have that picture. Oh, I used to have a shirt with it on it. Really? Yeah. Um, but something great from the commentary crew that I, I that I picked up was Ugo was more feisty than the Georgia defense on that first touchdown drive. Wrong. Which was accurate. A hundred percent accurate. <laughs> But what I thought was weird is that there there was no Ugga doghouse. Like, the entire time he was on a leash in the end zone. It's because it was – I know they do bring it on the road, don't they? Yes, they do. If he makes a road trip, Ugga's huh. doghouse goes on the road. I mean, it's also been almost 30 years, so a lot of things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, probably didn't do I don't know. So for I don't know for Georgia's quarterback situation in this game, you get you guys heard me talk about Mike Bobo, and if you know anything about Bobo's playing career, he was a quarterback, and he was a junior in nineteen ninety six. But Brian Smith, who I would venture to say ninety nine percent of us have never heard of as a Georgia quarterback, started this game his first start ever. He was a junior. His first start ever. Well, see, I was reading your notes. I could have swore the commentating team was like, yeah, this is like his fourth. I heard first, but my hearing's uh, not great. We probably both could be wrong. Yeah, it's probably like a 17th start. Who knows? <laughs> Dude started all of the 95 season. <laughs> yeah, no facts. No facts. Just speculation. <laughs> Um, but Brian Smith started this game because of Mike Bobo's turnovers the previous week against Florida. He had multiple interceptions in that game. And the thing about Mike Bobo in his playing career, he was a gunslinger. Like no, no care in the world for 
if this ball was going to be a turnover, if he saw an opportunity, he was ripping it, which I love in other teams' quarterbacks. I don't love in Georgia's quarterbacks. (laughs) Um, But we already mentioned this on top. If Hines Ward had played in Georgia's offense over the last couple of seasons, he would have won the Heisman. Dude, for sure. I mean, so in the very first quarter, he turned a seven-yard loss on an end around. Like, he had two guys attempting to tackle him seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he just does a little shake and ends up getting 12 yards. Yeah. He pulled pulled a Brock. Heinz Ward, if Heinz Ward was not in this game, Georgia loses like 35 to maybe seven. Yeah, maybe he, seven. He did with what nine catches, like 195 yards, something like that. Oh, that was just at the end of regulation. Yeah. Before before overtime, nine catches. I want to say it was either 195, 175. I don't remember the exact number. Um, but yeah, no, Heinz Ward was as close to unstoppable as you can get in this game. I think he had one, maybe two drops, maybe. But I think even that might be a stretch. Yeah. Same can't be said for some other receivers. Uh, yes, that is definitely in the notes further down. That could have been um, <laughs> Oh, no, I think, I think I've got his name further down here. But in this first drive, Georgia's offense in 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, was unstoppable then, and it's no wonder why we use it so often now. Because it was like at 12 personnel, it was either a pass to the flat that was going for 12, 15 yards, or curtsy was was going for like 15, 20. Like that was it. There, there was no stopping Georgia's offense and 12 personnel on this drive. Dude, I'm glad you brought up curtsy because I have in my notes. I was just hoping you'd bring him up. He reminds me a lot of Noshan. Uh, watching him run, like his running style, yes. I, I saw Noshan. Super upright and yeah. so much faster than it looks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. No, I mean, Curtsy, I don't know what happened to him after this game, but he, in the first quarter and then later in the game, it was like, oh, you're handing it to Curtsy? You're, you're getting 10-15. Yeah. But Robert Edwards, a guy that played running back for Georgia at this time, who I'm sure a lot of you guys remember that name, he didn't start this game because he had fumbles against Florida the week before. Hmm. So, I mean, this was this was Jim Donnan trying to make his change on the program. Like, oh, you turn the ball over? You're not starting this game. Period. That just how it was for this game. Um, But Georgia goes right down the field to tie this game at seven. And then they cut after, after Georgia scores a (laughs) touchdown, they cut and then, and then you see the highlights and they're like, we return to the action with Auburn up 28, seven. And it's like Auburn touchdown, Auburn touchdown, Auburn touchdown. Now we're back at 28, seven. It's like, what? Dude, what happened? 
the the best part about the scoring summaries, it was just like a picture. Yes. <laughs> like what happened? Picture. What happened? Yes. <laughs> I bet I bet producing any sort of video in the 90s was impossible, especially <laughs> live like that. Like, what are you going to do? Rip out the VHS tape from the camera and cut a clip out of it? Like, no. You have pictures. That's what you get. That was great. It was just like a picture. What happened? Like, this is great. 90s, 90 peak. Yes. So, in my opinion, and this is solely my opinion, the very next series after they cut back into the game with Auburn up 28-7, that's what turned the game around for Georgia. Yeah, And it was in the second quarter, the score was 28-7, and Georgia forces a fumble on Damian Craig doing a quarterback draw, and all-time great Georgia Bulldog, all-time great Denver Bronco, Champ Bailey falls on this ball as a true freshman to get Georgia back into the game while Auburn was throwing the ball all over the field for touchdowns, something they couldn't do today against a high school team with their quarterback and receivers. But they were slinging it on this day in 1996. Champ Bailey's fumble recovery puts Georgia with the ball at the 34-yard line. And they finally found a little bit of offensive success. First down in two plays. And this drive is where they switched to Mike Bobo, which another thing that helped turn this game around. They were like, Brian Smith, he doesn't turn the ball over, but that's because he doesn't complete any passes. <laughs> Can't even complete it to the other team. Yeah. No, it was it was it was that it was that difficult. But like like I said a minute ago, Mike Bobo, gunslinger at quarterback. At the time, he was very physically talented, and he took chances and committed some turnovers. It looked like he modeled his game after Brett Favre. He's down there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it. He's down there somewhere. Fuck it. You know, like, physical-wise, like, looking at him, like, I keep doing a lot of comps. But looking at, like, his stature and the way, like, his – you just look – I had a lot of David Green like flashbacks. Yes, they wore both wore fourteen. Yeah, and it was like tall, big dude can take yep. a hit, and was just like he was he was ripping the ball. There was there yep. was no arc on any of his passes. <laughs> he did the Anthony Richardson. I throw it how hard I throw it. It's your job to catch it. Like that <laughs> was overthrow. Mike Bobo in '96. I overthrow people. The difference is Bobo was more accurate. I throw I throw over people. Well, yeah. We know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so a great example of Mike Bobo's gunslinger mentality. Around the 19-minute mark in the video, if you want to find the play, Jordan's on like the two-yard line. They go for a play action pass. And Bobo knows where he's going with the ball before it's snapped. Misses a wide open tight end in the end zone. And as he's getting tackled, just yeets the ball into the dirt instead of getting the touchdown. 
just yeah. yeah. You you know you don't go through your reads. I mean, first guy you know been oh well. Yeah. Fuck it, Hines down there somewhere. Fuck it, Hines somewhere. Oh, uh, so one. I'm just gonna say it again. Georgia's kicker was not good. <laughs> like they went forward on fourth down multiple times in this game from what is today field goal range because they were like. Mm, fourth and 15 looks a lot better than the field goal right now. It's because he doesn't feel pressure, okay? Yeah, you know, if he had ice in his veins, he could feel the pressure and get through it. Well, his dad is a, a justice, okay? He gives people the death penalty, okay? Oh, what? I didn't know that. I You should probably oh, tell yeah. me six more times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one thing that I definitely picked up right before halftime is Kirby Smart got this mentality of starters playing special teams because that's what they did at the time. Like yeah. Kirby Smart was flying around the field on special teams as a starter, as the interception leader for the University of Georgia in 1996. Flying around the field on special teams making tackles. Good. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how it should be, right? So, halftime. This is where it skips to halftime. Georgia scores <laughs> right before the half. Goes into halftime trailing 28-14, two-possession lead. And this is what we were talking about a minute ago. They're just like, ESPN Classics pretty much said, yeah, third quarter was dog shit, bro. Here's a fourth. It <laughs> was like, know. yeah. Nobody wants to watch the third quarter. It was bad. What we so do at the beginning. So the beginning of the fourth quarter, Florida had a 10-minute time of possession lead. 10-minute time of possession lead. Out of 30 played this far into the game. I just okay. All right. We're spoiled. We we see something like that, and we're like, "Were you playing that day?" <laughs> what I mean, I guess that makes sense. I don't know because I'm just saying. So, like Auburn's defense, right? They were young, but we gave them the ball. I don't know, ten minutes, and you're up twenty-eight to seven. But they didn't put they didn't put the starting quarterback into the game until they were like, "Oh, we're probably going to lose this without Bobo in." Yeah, I guess. So, I don't know. I I don't know. So, beginning of the fourth quarter, Heinz Ward catches a beautiful 67-yard pass from Mike Bobo to bring Georgia within one possession of this game. And when I say beautiful, Heinz Ward, obviously as good as he was, ran the perfect route. But he was still double covered. So Bobo fit this ball in to a tight ass window, just in a place where Heinz Ward could catch it. The Auburn defenders run into each other, and Heinz Ward takes off down the field for an easy touchdown. I'm glad you brought that up because if you weren't going to, I was going to. Oh, I mean, that was <laughs> like that was some. Did. Yeah. And then by the – like, Hines Ward jogged the last 20 yards. 
Yeah. And still, when he crossed the when he crossed the goal line, Auburn's closest defender was like eight yards back at a full sprint, and Hines was jogging for the last twenty yards. That was great. That was one of those plays that's like, all right, all right. I get he had some interceptions against Florida, but look at this. But look, but look at Mike Bobo. Yeah. And something else I picked up about Kirby Smart, because there's a lot of parallels that you're going to see when you're seeing your current head coach on the field playing for the team. And Kirby's actually said this before, that he would not have recruited himself if he was in high school. But the mentality that he played with was the reason why he went down as as good of a safety as he did for the University of Georgia. Yeah. Because every single defensive and special teams played, he's either making the tackle or he was right there. Well, even every play. The touchdown to tie it, like at the end of regulation, like Kirby was in the receiver or running back. God damn it. It was a receiver. Kirby was like in yeah. his face on the sideline, like hyping him up, like, let's fucking go. Like, yeah. Dude was all over the place with everybody. And that's why you see Kirby get so sentimental with the players that are that guy. Yeah. Like when you hear Kirby talking about Nolan Smith, it's because Nolan Smith is a taller, more athletic, stronger, faster, better version <laughs> of what Kirby was in college. And that's not to take away from anything Kirby did, because obviously he was the all-time interceptions leader for the University of Georgia until um, Sanders. Fast. What's his first name? Dominic Sanders Dominic in the 2016 Smith. season. Which, ironically, Dominic Sanders took that from Kirby in Kirby's first year as head coach. But, or it was 17. 17 Man. that he took it. Yes. You were saying something? No, I was thinking about something. Never mind. Damn brain injuries. Dude, I love it. <laughs> so, um, still on Kirby. He was – all right, so picture this. You've got Bryce Young, right? Five foot ten, real skinny. Now, change his skin tone to white, and that's what Kirby looked like because I'm pretty sure his legs in 96 were the size of my arms. Like, he was scrawny back in the day. But he, he made plays. He all-time playmaker. As wild as that is for somebody that small in a defensive back position, even though Kirby in 1996 looked like a white Bryce Young playing safety, <laughs> he, he was making plays. He was. At the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Oh, well, that matters. Oh. It's okay. So, it's like 6'2", so – Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he also didn't wear um, platform noble tennis shoes at the combine. Yes. Yes, he did. And that, uh, you know, at the height those shoes were, I don't know if those are heels or platform shoes because, boy, that was not not a good look. It was something. 
so something else that I picked up going into going in this fourth quarter here. Georgia was very much like Champ Bailey's the best athlete we have. Let's just do everything we can to get him the ball. Because Georgia had a punt return in the fourth quarter here where a dude was getting tackled and just like hands the ball to Champ Bailey, who's standing next (laughs) to him. As Champ Bailey is also getting tackled, but he holds onto the ball and just falls down. Like both these guys are getting tackled side by side, and the dude's like, Oh, you're a better athlete than me. I'm just going to see if you can do something with it. <laughs> that I was. I think I was like looking away. Oh, I didn't see that. oh no, it was, oh, and it was very cool. obviously an intentional ro- like reverse punt return situation going on there. Yeah, but if you're getting tackled, why try to hand it to the guy next to you that's also getting <laughs> tackled? Was it the white guy? It's like, yes. It was the white punt returner. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> it was um oh god, what's that guy's name? He does all the film breakdowns as a joke. He's like piss down your leg, not really an athlete. Um, oh yeah, the the coach 30 whatever. Yes. Yeah. That guy had coach 30 in his head. He was like, I pissed down my leg. I'm not really an athlete. Here you I'm go, not champ. Really an athlete. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> That's what, yeah, but, dude, those videos are hilarious. Oh, I love them. I love them. So now it's time that I'm going to very much hype up an Auburn player, specifically Takeo Spikes. So I said earlier, he was he's an analyst for the SEC Network. He's on their SEC late night show after football games. But he was one of, like, if you put, if you had a Mount Rushmore of Auburn defensive players, Tahito Spikes is probably on that. I wouldn't say defense, but I'd say Auburn players in general. Yeah, I, that's very easy to argue. It's very easy to argue. I mean, it, so Tahito Spikes is from the Atlanta area. But at the time, Georgia was not a recruiting powerhouse. And also at the time, and this is coming directly from Takeo Spike's interview that I listened to, Georgia just assumed that any guy they wanted in the state of Georgia would come to Georgia. So they didn't put effort into recruiting him. I mean, maybe and, now, yeah, but. Yeah, but at the time, like they, Georgia was just like, oh, he's from Georgia. We sent him an offer. He'll come, he'll come here. Yeah. But that pissed him off. So so he went to Auburn because he was mad that Georgia didn't put effort into recruiting him. But Auburn like rolled out the red carpet. They were like, You're our dude. God dang it, and... Bubba. <laughs> yeah, you should have known this when you were a high school senior. God dang it, Bubba. You know that's going to be said a lot this year again. Oh, yeah. No, there's – you know what? While we're talking about it, this is a spoiler for something that I wanted to talk about later. I would be the happiest man in the world on opening day if Georgia's very first offensive play was run out of eye formation. (laughs) Just to piss people off. Two runs in the pass. And then punt. 
I don't know. Like if the first, like, cause especially it's UT Martin, right? Yeah. Like if they just say, oh hell, we're just going to punt on this first drive and just I formation run, I formation run, I formation run, <laughs> punt. Because you oh, know ESPN, CBS, SDS, everyone would be like, Mike Bobo running the I formation at Georgia. What does this come to? And then, like, the very next play is, like, a bubble screen to Bowers that he takes 75 yards. God like, dang that's, it, <laughs> Like, I guarantee you there would be Georgia fans walking out of Sanford Stadium three <laughs> minutes into the first quarter if he lined up the first play in I formation, trolling Georgia fans. And I want that with every fiber of my soul. Because I'm a believer. Yeah, like, I, I trust. Like, what has Kirby done to lose our trust over the last four seasons? Not even that. The last time Georgia averaged over forty points a game, Bobo was the coordinator. Yes, he was. Crazy. And I, we talked about it, but up until the twenty twenty two season, Mike Bobo had better statistical averages than Todd Munkin, but. And if you guys are hearing this in the background, one of my dogs actually has a respiratory infection. So he is at the door coughing and I feel awful for him. Um, Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah, barely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so bad. I feel so like we had to take him to the vet today and get medicine, but I've never heard a dog with a cough before. And he's pitiful. Oh, Oh, it's, it's okay. I, it, it hurts me. Like, what I mean, am I today? Yet? Man, What's me up? and Kelsey were talking today, and it was like we're gonna be like when our when we're when our human children are one day sick, it's going to break our hearts. <laughs> if seeing our dog cough like this is doing it to us, because one of our dogs just mysteriously died while I was at Polk. So what? <laughs> Yeah, just one night, just started like slowly moving and very shallow breathing. Next morning, is dead. We're just like, oh, yeah. Well, rip in peace to your dog. I have two more though. It's okay. <laughs> this kid is not okay. It was very sad. You know what? We need to put up an Instagram post with a headstone for your dog. For my dog, my dig. Um, so back to the Keo spikes because we got off on some wild tangent here. Um, so not only is he possibly the best Auburn quarterback to ever linebacker to ever play for the university, but he was the 13th overall pick and had a NFL career that went from 1998 to 2012 when he retired. Jesus. He retired in 2012? Yes. Oh. Yes. He retired in 2012. Jesus. All right. Now back to Georgia stuff, because I don't like being positive about Auburn. Yeah, fuck him. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna reiterate this. If you have not just one day especially maybe like back in 2016, just like got on YouTube and searched Heinz Ward highlights. You should. Because once again, if he, like if I had a time machine and I could go back in time 
to high school Heinz Ward and say, hey, hey, hear me out. So your entire career at Georgia, the team is awful. But (laughs) what if I tell you in the early 2020s, they went back-to-back national championships, and you can get in this time machine with me and then go win a Heisman on a national championship team. Instead of coaching an XFL team. Yeah, no, I'd probably I'd probably leave that part out. <laughs> I'd also probably leave out the two Super Bowls with the Super Bowl MVP, but <laughs> I'd be like, I just want to see you in a good Georgia team. I don't care about the Steelers. I want you in a Georgia uniform. And you know what? Maybe, maybe if he played in today's NFL, he wouldn't have caught passes from a rapist. Just going to throw it out there. Wow. Sorry, Big Ben. Facts are facts. And I've also heard some, I've also heard some horror stories about when he visited Milledgeville back in his college days. Oh, geez. I don't hate the Steelers, guys. Trust me. It's okay. I don't. I don't have anything. I used to have a Big Ben jersey. Mm, that's rough. That was before he was a rapist. I also had a Tom Brady one. I'm going to need you to leave this Zoom and I'll finish it out by myself. But I also had a Brett Favre one. I had a lot of jerseys. Okay. Okay. I I, I can handle that. You've redeemed yourself. I have, a, I have had a lot of jerseys in my lifetime. So, back to the game, because we keep going on way too many tangents for what we have left to talk about. (laughs) So, 1996 Auburn made the same fatal mistake that we have watched Georgia make many times over the last decade. They took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, we got 28-14 lead. There's only seven minutes left. We're good. We can just run the ball for two yards, and then punt every time. But that gave Georgia hope. You know that gave me flashbacks of? National championship game. Oh, I was going to say Super Bowl. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and the National Championship. Hey, I mean, that was your boy Brady. He should have been happy. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) So... Georgia, in the fourth quarter, their defense, great. Their run defense gave up like eight yards rushing in the fourth quarter. Insane of what they were able to do after playing like some middle schoolers for the first three quarters. And the offense had over 200 yards of offense in the fourth quarter to come back in this game, and that's when they were still down 28-14. to They had 200 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. Or 21-14 at this point. I'm sorry. Critical play in this game. At this point, as a Georgia fan, all of your hopes are riding on one single play in this game. Georgia's down seven. Two minutes, 23 seconds left in the game. Three timeouts. They're right around the 50-yard line. But it's fourth and 15, thanks to a penalty and some, some nothing plays. And they go for it on fourth and 15. Yeah, they do. Drop pass that was going to be three yards short anyways. So at this point, 
you know, you're thinking all hope is lost. Two minutes, 23 seconds, whatever with three timeouts. Auburn's pretty much been able to do whatever they wanted all, all day. And especially because after Auburn gets the ball back at right around the 50-yard line, they figured out how to run the ball. They start to yeah. grind out rushing yards. And Georgia had to start using their timeouts. At this point, skinny-ass Kirby Smart got stiff-armed into the next day <laughs> from a 150-pound running back. Okay. I mean, like, his shoulder hit the ground before his feet hit the ground again. It was it was bad. But Georgia's defense steps up and stops Auburn just outside of their field goal range to where Auburn had to punt because their field goal kicker wasn't good enough and it was like fourth and 12. They weren't going to go for it. So they punted into 30-mile-an-hour gusting winds. Which was weird because, like, Normally, like when like you see stuff like flapping, like there was nothing moving, nothing. But the commentary crew was like, "Yeah, the winds are real strong tonight." Punts into yeah. the wind. The punt goes no lie, like twenty yards. <laughs> so Georgia needs eighty-two yards in under a minute with one timeout. No, for just over a minute. They didn't have any. Just so just over a minute, zero timeouts, 82 yards for, to potentially go to overtime for the first time in SEC history. And you know what they did? If you haven't watched the game, you know what they did? They 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 did trusted it. Mike Bobo. That should sound familiar because I've been screaming it for a month now. But so I find that ironic and hilarious. Not the trust my bubba, but the fact that that play eighty-two yards, no timeouts, to tie or win the game, right? Bobo had the chance to fucking do that in twenty twelve, but didn't spike the fucking ball. Decided to run another fucking play, and we lose the SEC championship game. That. It, yeah, they lost. I, they lost the right to um, win the national. Just destroy Notre Dame. But guess what? Guess what they ended up having to do on that drive. Same thing. Spike the fucking ball. Which, you know, if if he would have just had one of those flashbacks in nineteen ninety six. But we'll get to it here in a second. Very first play. 20-yard pass to Heinz Ward on a deep comeback where Heinz Ward sold this so well. It should be taught to wide receivers today. He's in an all-out sprint, stops on a dime. By the time the defensive back knows what happened, he's 10 yards down the field. Heinz Ward turns around, gets the pass, but gets tackled inbounds. Very next play, dump pass to Robert Edwards, who came in about the same time Mike Bobo did. Gets out of bounds, 43 seconds. They're right around the 50-yard line at this point. And walk-on tight end, Dixon. They didn't even say his first name. They just said walk-on tight end, and I read Dixon on the back of his jersey. Catches his third pass of his career. 
to get out of bounds with 38 seconds or stay inbounds with 38 seconds left. And a wide receiver that had three drops in the fourth quarter alone, Corey Allen, finally makes a catch to get down to the 38, 28 seconds. Clock is still running. Hines, Hines Ward toe taps. And when I say toe taps, like this was an NFL highlight Catch it, high points the ball, arms completely outstretched, gets both feet inbounds, falls forward, gets out of bounds with 19 seconds left. Beautiful. And then right before this next play is snapped, right before, they say, whatever he does right here, Mike Bobo cannot (laughs) take a sack. (laughs) And Mike Bobo takes a sack. Goes back like nine yards. Six seconds on the clock. Auburn fans were legitimately celebrating in the stands because at this point it was 21-28. Georgia's in the red zone. But the officials couldn't get their shit together in time. So they had to stop the clock to place the ball. Is that why it stopped? That's why it stopped because when Bobo got sacked, Bobo got sacked by two people and landed underneath two defensive linemen. So yeah. they couldn't get the ball from him because the defensive linemen refused to get off of him. Uh, so they stopped the clock. Yeah, get up the to the line. Commentators, like, they should have stopped the clock. Why did they stop the clock? <laughs> they, Georgia gets up to the line. Clock is running at this point because as soon as the ball is placed, They start running the clock. Georgia spikes the ball with one second left at the 31-yard line. So you have no other choice. You got to go for all 31 yards. Like, send everybody to the end zone. Auburn only had three guys on the line. They had eight guys in the end zone on this play. And Mike Bobo scrambles, just yeets a ball down to the end zone. (laughs) And so, to be completely honest, this was a stupid-ass decision on his part. And I say that because George had three three wide receivers lined up on the left, one lined up on the right. They just run verticals. <laughs> Bobo throws the ball to the side where there's one guy. Not only does he throw it to the side with one guy, he throws it to the two-yard line, And Corey Allen, once again, steps up. In the two plays where he has absolutely been needed, he steps up, catches this ball. No other receiver's close. Like, they're all outside of the numbers on the left side of this end zone. And when he catches the pass, he gets face masked as a tackle. Like, the dude just grabs his face mask, yanks him backwards. When he yanks Corey Allen backwards... Corey Allen lands on top of the defensive back and because of that has the room to reach the ball over the goal line to tie this game. And once again, just want to talk about how bad the kicker is because he almost missed this PAT (laughs) to go into overtime. Bro, did you see how hard and how excited he was when he, like, how hard he kicked that ball. 
to get like three inches inside of the upright. Dude, he was so excited. I've never seen yes. someone that excited to kick a tying field goal. To barely make a tying field goal. Yeah. Right. So one thing interesting that I thought about the overtime at this time was when instead of enforcing the penalty on the point after, they enforced the face mask penalty on Auburn on their first drive of overtime. Well, hell, he probably would have missed if he was any closer. Oh, if they were at the one-yard line, they should have gone for two, but that's a side point. (laughs) We're talking almost 30-year-old hypotheticals at this point. (laughs) So Auburn starts their first overtime drive at the 40-yard line. And Georgia's defense suddenly has life again after they didn't for 50 minutes of this entire game. Yeah. They stop a quarterback draw. Next play, defensive back deflects a deep pass. Third and 10. Blocked pass at the line. Auburn goes for it at fourth and 10 because apparently kickers in the 90 were just dog shit everywhere. (laughs) And in this play, if they had replay, this next play would not have been called pass interference. And Georgia could have won this game with a field goal. Yeah, I don't Champ Bailey. Yeah. Champ Bailey almost intercepts this pass in the end zone. Like he touches the ball, never touches the receiver, but they call pass interference. And even the commentators at this point are like, did you see pass interference? Because I didn't see pass interference. Nobody did. Pretty much restarts Auburn's entire drive. First and 10 on the 25-yard line. And then they go for a first down. And (laughs) this next play I thought was hilarious. Kirby Smart, Damian Craig goes for a little quarterback draw scramble play, and Kirby Smart just jumps on his back like a human backpack and makes him fall down. Like there, there wasn't a tackle. He said, can you keep my weight up going a different direction than your weight? The answer was no. Let's hope not. And Damian Craig was a little shaken. He missed his next pass. The problem is his legs were not shaken, just his arms. Jordan sends Kirby on a safety blitz. Auburn quarterback Damian Craig runs out of the other side of the pocket for a touchdown. Jordan's got to score to keep it going. And, uh, first drive, Mike Bobo did what he did to end the uh, end regulation and get sacked. But Robert Edwards being as phenomenal of a player as he was, he gets first down, goes down to the eight, very next play scores a touchdown, double overtime, not just first overtime game in SEC history, but the first double overtime game in SEC history. And at the end of the first overtime, Georgia had 481 yards of offense, and Auburn had 480. Jesus. So, Robert Edwards was pretty much the entire overtime offense. Up until, like, the very last play. It was either handed off to him 
or dump pass it to him because he straight Herschel's some guy, like runs into him, dude falls over. Too bad a defensive tackle is there to make the uh to make the foul up tackle. But the very next play, he gets a touchdown, puts pressure on Auburn to score in their drive for second overtime. But something I thought that was super interesting about it at this point, Robert Edwards, zero touchdowns in regulation. Through two overtimes, two touchdowns. <laughs> so, Auburn, quarterback draw, get down to the one-yard line, try a sneak, right? Quarterback sneak, you got a six-foot-four big athletic quarterback. He reaches the ball over the goal line, and right as it's breaking the plane, Georgia forces a fumble, Champ Bailey recovers it. Game. Wrong. They called it a touchdown. No instant replay in 1996. Now we are talking about triple overtime. Never mind. That Damian Craig play was in triple overtime. Anyways, we're this is taking a long time at this point, so we're just going to keep going with it. Oh, yeah, we're three overtimes in. It's time. Yeah, three overtimes in, Auburn's for, Auburn quarterback sneak, Bumble gets called back for a touchdown. Once again, Robert Edwards. Bobo is getting sacked. Legitimately, like his knees were an inch off the ground and just shovel passes it to Robert Edwards, who goes for like 12 yards. Yep. And then very next play, handoff in the end zone, three touchdowns and three overtimes for Robert Edwards. Tied at 49, going into quadruple over first overtime game ever in SEC history. Also the first quadruple overtime game in SEC history. Jesus. Robert Edwards, Robert Edwards, Robert Edwards, Robert Edwards again gets down to the one yard line, and then he gets injured. He's Limps off the field. So they bring Curtsy back in. Guy we talked about already. True freshman to start on a football team in the 90. Not really heard of whatsoever. Just a little toss sweep. Curtsy goes into the end zone untouched. Oh, a toss sweep, you say? Yeah. Love a good toss sweep. Love a good toss sweep. A staple. Hey. Man, a toss sweep is one of my favorite running plays in football, <laughs> period. Period. So Auburn's very first play of quadruple overtime was almost an interception to Ronald Bailey. Who's Ronald Bailey, you may ask? He is the oldest of the three Bailey brothers to play for the University of Georgia. Huh. Now, before I watched this game, you could have said who's Ronald Bailey, and I never would have known. Yeah, no idea. He was the oldest of the three. So we get to third down in this game. And Auburn ends up throwing the ball to an an incompletion. Fourth and three. Auburn either gets nine feet or they lose. And, you know, coaches just love to keep the tension high and raise blood pressure and give people heart attacks and all that fun stuff. 
So Auburn calls a timeout right before the ball gets snapped. Everybody lines back up. We're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Jim Donnan calls a timeout with like one second on the play clock. So now we've had a minute of timeouts before the biggest play in this game in Georgia's entire season. And at this point, players on Georgia's sidelines, they're holding hands. You see Hines Ward leading a, pr- a prayer over by the bench. Like, this is this is like their national championship for the season. And what does Auburn do in their biggest play of the game? And not only their biggest play of the game, but they're also still in the hunt for the SEC West at like at the fourth overtime of this game. Quarterback draw. It worked every other time. Why why not do it again? He Damian Craig gets tackled with like a foot to go to the first down. And after this tackle, you see defensive linemen no shit doing cartwheels on yeah. the field. I, I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was – yeah. After starting the fourth quarter down 28-14, Georgia comes back to win this game 56-49 in not only the first overtime, but the first quadruple overtime game in Georgia history – Possibly one of the best Georgia-Auburn games in the history of the rivalry. Oh, yeah. And so that's where we're done with the game talk. You know, we've talked about it. I have a couple of takeaways, and I believe you do too. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> oh. I've... Okay. And so. I just get a little. I just piggyback off of you half the time anyways. So, I'm going to add a little pause here. But I just want to say, fuck you, Gus. This should be in November. For my favorite, one of my favorite things I've ever said on this show. Because this is not an October football game. This is not a September football game. This is a week before Thanksgiving game. This is a cold weather. This is a dark at 5 p.m., this is a two plastic flask full of whiskey in my boots going into the stadium game. And Gus fucking mouths on the year before he gets fired. Bitches enough to move this game from November to October. And the fact that Georgia agreed to this move really pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucking dumb. It's a November just, game. Everyone knows it. Like, I should be watching this game thinking about the turkey that I'm going to destroy in a few days. Yeah. Not like this past season where I was watching this game in shorts and a jersey sweating my dick off. Oh, it must be nice to wear shorts in October. Well, like I said, I sweat my dick off. I don't have a penis anymore. It wasn't that nice. <laughs> We're supposed to get a really bad snowstorm again Easter weekend. Oh, really? It was 82 degrees today, and I was wearing shorts. It was warm today. I've been wearing shorts for like a week. It's it's great. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go fishing with my boss here soon, and we're not going to have to drill a hole in the ice. 
I'll I'll let you know what it's like. Appreciate it. <laughs> My second takeaway. How is jersey number 47 not a revered jersey number for the University of Georgia? Like LSU's got seven. Yes. There's there's another team I can't remember that's got like 18 or something. Duke, Duke has three for basketball. <laughs> I know that. just the previous three decades, Robert Edwards in the in the 90s, 2000s is David Pollock, 2010s is Ray Drew. How many people have to have great careers at Georgia for 47 to be a number that no one gives a shit about? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I've always said that. So I did I did a little bit of a, did a shallow dive. I'm not going to call it a deep dive. Do you know the player on Georgia's current team that wears jersey number 47? No, but I saw the notes that it was, it was like a transfer, wasn't it? His name is Sam Shirtliff. He transferred shirtliff. from Nebraska. Shirtliff. shirtliff. Like shirt lift. With no T at the end, yep. Oh, no T, okay. Yep. Um, so he transferred from Nebraska, originally from Watkinsville. He redshirted his first season and did not play a snap of football in his next two seasons. Nice. And then he transferred to Georgia to be closer to home. Cool. I love it. But how is how is a transfer linebacker the only number 47 on the team? <laughs> like I like I feel like it shouldn't be a choice. Like if you if you are, you know, a player that has leadership, determination, you make big plays on the field, it should just be a hey, you're number 47. No, coach, I want to be number 17. No, fuck you. You're th- you're 47. <laughs> no, fuck you. Like, I don't I don't care. I that bugs me. No, I agree. Just a little bit. Just not a lot. But it's it's like, how do you see somebody like Robert Edwards, David Pollock, Ray Drew, all wearing the same number, making Program changing plays for the school and think, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, so I know we have gone on for way too long about this. So we'll go ahead and close it out here. Um, I really should record and just insert audio for the same thing I say at the end of every week, but just- I'm not organized enough for that. Fuck no. So I'll. I'll say it again. Follow the Instagram at nothing.finer.pod. We are getting dangerously close to 900 followers on the Instagram. The Twitter is at finerpod, and those are still rookie numbers on our followers, so we need to bump that up. Facebook and YouTube, just search Nothing Finer Podcast. You'll find us there. Make sure it's got our logo and I am going to keep that 4 by 4 by 48 GoFundMe up until the 31st when I get back from uh, from my anniversary dinner and hockey game that night. Hey. So if you are able to donate, we appreciate it. If you're not able to donate, just sharing it on your page will do more than you think. We are trying to help the uh, Savannah area veterans in need there. 
So anything, literally anything is appreciated. But always remember, guys, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown!